Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello everyone, welcome to the Rock Report once again. Joining me tonight we have Gav. How are you getting on, Gav? <sighs> yeah, that's, nah. that sums it up, doesn't it? <laughs> Tom, how are you doing, mate? Uh, yeah, getting by. Yeah, the same. James, what about you? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, we're we're all yeah. <laughs> Everyone is yeah. So as is tradition, we should uh, we probably should start off with the negatives. Not that there are any positives really. Another miserable, miserable defeat this time to West Brom. What did you make of that quote-unquote performance, James? Um, well, when do we start? I guess if we look at, I mean, that's what, that's no winning seven seven matches now. One win in our last ten. Um, we've conceded 17 goals in our last seven games. I've written here. It was, we were just, first half, we were just really poor. I mean, there was no pressure on Darren Fletcher for that first goal. The second one, two centre-backs get Easily taken out of position. Um, Patrick Van Arnold was appalling all day. Um, I mean, it was just a really bad opening, opening 45. I thought we looked a bit better in the second half, but it was played at almost half pace. Um, you could almost see that the players didn't wholly believe that they could get back into the game. They didn't look like they had belief in themselves. Um, people... Everyone knows I've been willing to give Dave Moyes time, but he's got to take a large proportion of the blame here. Um, we were really, really poor. Defoe looked fed up, didn't he? Uh, can't blame him. I guess the only positive you've got is Honeyman contributed. He certainly offered as much as someone like Larson or Rodwell, um, even though Rodwell actually did did okay, I thought, in the early stages. Um, it just, just piss poor, wasn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely was an abysmal display for me. Um I mean, we look at you mentioned there was a positive with Honeyman coming in. Obviously, that's the second game he's played for us. Is his first start? Is his first start or second? Yeah, first Premier League start. First Premier yeah. League start at least. yeah, he doesn't look like the yeah. pressure's on him at all. I mean, it obviously is, but he seemed like he was ready to make that step up. Moyes obviously said that about him recently. Um, I thought he, yeah, he acquitted himself well. But as for everybody else, every, I, I can't possibly give any positives to any of those players. Not a single yeah. other player on the pitch. What do you make of it, Gaff? No. I just think it's <clears throat> it's kind of indicative of where we are now, isn't it? That type of performance. Um, we aren't seeing a team who who are prepared to fight. Um, you look at Swansea play Liverpool and and <sighs> turn them over, really, and you look at the team they had on the pitch and they're apparently one of our relegation rivals, and then you look at us going 2-0 down against a team like West Brom, who, although they've had a good season, 
you should be able to at least fight against a team like that. Um, same goes for when we played Burnley. Uh, there's just no fight. There's no passion. There's no desire. There's no drive. We really are missing players like Ndong and Coney. And I mean, I've not been a big fan of Coney to be honest, but you can really see the hole left in the team without him. He's he's a massive miss. That defence is just awful without him. And John O'Shea and, and Gillibod, you just aren't good enough. It's it's it's. If you're being fair, um, they aren't good enough. And it's every week now we're costing ourselves goals mm. through silly errors. Um, the performance as a whole was deflating. I don't think that um, any of the players are responding to David Moyes. I don't think they're responding to Robbie Stockdale. Both of them are out on the touchline every game, giving orders, barking orders, and nothing seems to be registering. Um, players like Patrick Van Anholt, who... You can clearly tell aren't interested anymore. He wants away. Uh, his head's totally turned. He's just not interested. It's, it's like he's, it's like he's, you know, he's already preparing to leave. For me, I think he's just playing because yeah. we have to play him. Um, likewise, players like Yanazai, they know that. Well, he'll, you know, doesn't matter what happens here this season. Really, I'm going back to Man United. He's been talking about rejoining Pogba this week. Um, the fact he's even saying stuff like that just shows you really they don't care. He doesn't care about being at Sunderland. He's only here. He only came here because it was game time for him. And uh, he told us really at the start of the season that he had no plans beyond this season to be at Sunderland. He just wants to stay here for a, a short period, then sod back off to Man United. So uh, we'll get, we've got you know we've got what we've deserved in that respect. We didn't recruit well enough in the summer. The manager. Um, I don't really think wanted the job. I think he's just taken it because the Premier League offer and and it's kind of his last resort. He didn't get the Swansea job before he came to Sunderland and, you know, he's ended up taking this job and he looks like a man who doesn't want to be here and week on week it's compounding and I'm sorry to sound so depressing but I don't think it's going to get any worse or any better. Just, quite, it's going to get much worse, I feel. Um, do we just end the podcast there? Well, <laughs> I've exploded about a million thoughts at once there. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I think you'll struggle to disagree with any of that really because we're all seeing it. Um, it's it's got to the point now where the fans in the in the crowd we sold the away end out at West Brom yesterday. Tom, you were there, you were there, you yeah, had yeah. the chance. You know, yeah. The, yeah. the the supporters are at the point now where they've stopped caring. Um, it's, it's going it's, back. You know, yeah, it's going back to the uh, like the the bad old days under un, like under uh, Howard Wilkinson and uh, Mick McCarthy towards the tail end of that mess fans start turning on each other they don't know there's no player in that squad well on the pitch that anyone really seems to care about uh, Yamazai actually got properly booed off when he uh, got subbed which I thought was a tad harsh because he was definitely not the worst one out there um, and it's just there's no there's nothing there's nothing I can see of anything getting any better it was complete garbage and you go you go like we all, well, you always do. You go to a match after having a few lagers. You think a bit positive, positive. And say, oh, this week it might be different. It might be. And they just these players just don't care. They don't care. They they know that if they go down, a handful will probably stay, and then they'll go somewhere else. Van Aanholt shouldn't. If he doesn't want to be, he shouldn't be playing at all. Um, and and it showed in his performance. I mean, I still cannot understand what he was doing on that first goal, just watching someone like Darren Fletcher, t- chest Darren Fletcher, chest and spin, six yards out. It's absolutely criminal. And we've got 
players who don't want to be here, a manager who looks like he doesn't want to be here, no money, no idea of where these, where our next sign is going to be, that anyone that wants to come. Uh, just, God, it's awful. They <laughs> <laughs> may as well head down to the river now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I had a good day yesterday. It was a really good day out, but... But it, <laughs> but it, it is be better, certainly. It's, it's defensively, isn't it? It's, the, you can... Obviously, they're, they're lumping balls up to Defoe, and he... He looks so frustrated. Like I think it was, in particular. I mean, the set pieces lads were were, were absolutely embarrassing. There was one in particular where they they tried to chip it over to Foe, and he you can almost see that it's almost a half-assed effort for him to go to it, and he just he seems to look back and just think, "What am I doing here?" Like it's just. <laughs> and then you you look at. I mean, we conceded two goals in six minutes. Um, Stoke, we conceded three goals in nineteen minutes. Burnley, we conceded three in 15 minutes. United, we conceded two in four. And Swansea, we conceded two in five and then three in 25. I just think something in the mindset, isn't there, of these these players that... It, and that has to come from the manager, really, because if when you concede a goal, someone, to be honest, someone like John O'Shea should be grabbing people and saying, look, lads, heads on for the next 10 minutes let's like weather the storm and let's get going. And they just, the heads drop and they think, oh, well, that's it now, isn't it? We've conceded. We're not going to get back into it. We may as well give up. Well, I can see what you mean there. I mean, I, I think certainly, I mean, it's, this has been going on for ages, though, when you say about the manager. This happened last year. This was a big problem that we thought Allardyce actually sort of fixed, instilling some sort of confidence to the point where you concede one goal and your head drops and that's the end of the game because that's what it seems to be. I mean, for me... Like doing predictions, I do the Super Six every week, and uh, doing the predictions for it, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, well, we can't possibly, we haven't got more than two goals in us, and I know for a fact we're going to concede one goal, and if we concede one goal, we're going to go on to lose. So it's just like it's either a draw or a loss every week, and that is that's terrifying. It's terrifying that no one in the squad, except perhaps as we said, Honeyman, would have the nerve to go a goal down and then somehow just come back, somehow fight back. And when you consider mm. when they scored, there was, there was plenty to play for. I think, I think though, Damien, I think players like Larson and O'Shea, they've been here and seen it a number of times. Um, they've been through a number of relegation battles with us. I think they do care. I think they do want to be able to do it for us. They're just not good enough. Um, mm. Particularly Larson, I think he looks shot. Um he, he, yeah. When he first came here, you know, he, he came here from Birmingham, and I thought uh, he was a real quality acquisition. He came with this reputation of a dead ball specialist. Um, he was a right winger. We played a four-four-two with him on the right. Um, as the years have gone on, he's moved inside. He was, in fact, he moved inside after maybe a year of being here. Um, and very rapidly, it's it's becoming obvious that he's just not good enough. He hasn't got the legs anymore. Tuesday night, I was at Burnley in the cup. Um, and he was pointing a lot and he was running about a lot, but he never won the ball. He never done anything with it. His set pieces were largely awful. Um, and you kind of have to weigh it up now and think, well, when the players like Ndong are back and the players like Kazri are back, is there a place for somebody like that? Because as, as much as he clearly cares, he's just not good enough. And uh, it's, it's sad, sad to say it, really, isn't it? It is. It's sad. And it's, it's sad that we were all clamouring for him to come back into the side. He's been here what four or five years now, and he was, as he said, he was he was a decent acquisition for the first eighteen months, and then we started to see 
uh, we should probably start be moving away from players like Seb Larson. We need to invest in better. And this season, we've been clamouring for players like Seb Larson to come back because the rest of the players we have are just that crap. I mean, you just said you said before that they're just not good enough. The second half, that's exactly how it felt. It felt, you know, like they came out and they were they started moving the ball and they were they were they were much better than they were in the first half. But there was no belief. I mean, Denaya, he was. I just think he struggles. I, I just don't think he's that good. Um, they just it was just so. I mean, Victor Nietzsche, we've been calling him to come back in. Obviously, came off, came on in the second half. He did largely nothing. Whether or not he's whether he's fit or not is is another question. But I mean, it's just it was just hopeless. Like there was nothing. There was no pattern of play, was there? There didn't seem like there was a plan on how to get back into the game. Um, and West Brom just he's. Well, I don't know if they'll have an easier match at home all season than that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. The, the biggest issue, with, as you said, with um, yeah, with regards to whether we can beat these teams or not, these are teams we should be beating, aren't they? They're or at least competing against. And it seems right now, like we said in the chat the other day, many people said it. There aren't three teams currently that are worse than us, and that's a simple fact of the league. It's not even one, Damo. Yeah, there's not, not even one team one, worse than us. One exactly. So there's no. I can understand why the players. I can understand why the players are losing hope, and I can understand to some degree why Moyes is, has lost hope in himself for for whatever reason. But it, it does seem to me now that he's just. I mean, we said it before. Like he's just defended himself. Now he's just trying to make the the best of a bad situation for himself. Do you know what I mean? It's not really a. It doesn't seem mm. to be any sort of plan to cushion the blows that we're going to go no. through the next. The rest and, of the and you know what. When we get these when we get these players back from injury and the African Cup Nations lads come back, even if we put out a full strength side, because we're not going to get the like say Katz and Kershaw back until probably late February, early March. Um, by that by that by by that point, I mean that's another however many games has gone by, another six seven matches have gone by, and you're, you're dead and buried by then. So with the players that will come back in that period and the African Cup lads who come back into play even with a fully inadverted fully fully strength um squad they're not good enough like i i can't see i can't see much um much hope or optimism at the present moment and i'm one of the more positive son of fans and i honestly that i just i think they're really unless you know they they get miraculously some money to spend i just i i can't see where a win's coming from we've got spurs um next week Spurs, mm, they're in fantastic <laughs> form as well. Well, pretty, pretty good, decent form. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a grim one to be honest. But moving on from the despondency, as, as everyone can tell, we're we're really low this time. This is just it's the camel it's the camel's back breaking slowly, slowly but surely. But uh, we've got some Twitter questions as per usual. So we picked a few of the best ones, and for me, I'm gonna go with. Moy's post-match comments suggested there were some good points in our game. What exactly were they? That's from Peter. Now, we've covered that uh, to a degree by saying there weren't really any positives beyond uh, Honeyman and his performance. But I, I suppose that's really asking two questions there, isn't it? It's, it's more about, is he just talk, is it just rhetoric now? Do you know what I mean? Is, is this man just, just spouting off? Like, I mean, he, he talks about poor goals being conceded. And he's spoken about that the last, well, the last 17 goals that we've conceded. 
He's never turned around and said, well, no one's going no to stop that. That was a worldie. Do you know what I mean? It's, everything's negative about it. Like It's pushing the blame away from himself, pushing it not even onto the players necessarily, but onto the, onto the universe. It's the universe's fault that David Moyes isn't able to succeed at Sunderland. What he you... said something quite interesting. Uh, he, he kept calling the goals we can see as a disease. He kept saying, oh, it's a disease, implying that he's like, I have no idea how to fix this. Mm. It's like, oh, it's a disease. It's like, I'm not a doctor. I'm like, I don't have whatever, I don't have the antidote. It's just like, God, man. <laughs> just, it's not, it's coaching. It's coaching. It's telling these players where they're supposed yeah. to be. It's not, you can't just say it's a disease. That means literally nothing. It's your, <laughs> it's your fault, man. It's your fault. Yeah, I know. You, you train just... these players every day for a full week. Saying this is what West Brom are going. To, well, they might not actually. I don't. I don't go to the training session. They might do bugger all. Well, yeah, might as well. <laughs> but it's just it is it is one of those things where you look at David Moyes has had what seventeen games or whatever now, maybe more. Um, I thought obviously before it, it was November when we when we got a couple of wins and we started to look a lot more solid. But since then we've gone back. And we we've looked probably even worse than we did at the start of the season the last few weeks. I mean, defensively, I'm sorry, they haven't been coached. Like it looks to me like they haven't been coached. Like you can have the worst players in the world at the back, but like it's no excuse if you're not organising. I mean, John O'Shea is so experienced; surely he can organise. I mean, Papi Chilabuchi can't be that stupid that he, you know, or or is he that stupid? Is that the problem when you? We've got no other options. I mean, what what happens? Um, what happens when Kone comes back? Does does Gillibodji drop out? Does 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 he partner O'Shea? I, I have absolutely no idea where to go. I think it's interesting what was said as well, talking about um, like having the players come back from the African Cup of Nations. I mean, what exactly we think now of Ndong? I mean, yeah, he had some good performances. Certainly, statistically, he's one of our more efficient players. Uh, but it's again not he's not ripping up trees, you know what I mean? He's not particularly creative. Uh, so I couldn't see that really providing much to to better things. But also talking about Kone coming back and whether that'll sort it out, it's obviously in the middle of the January transfer window. Would that mean that we're still sitting here thinking, Oh well Kone might not leave? Is that the case now? Because if he doesn't leave, where are we getting any money from? Well, I think it's probably gonna have to come from other areas and I don't think he's even on the on the scope now, is he? In, in terms of being sold, I mean, something could change towards the end of the window. Um, <clears throat> but Moyes made a point of of mentioning Coney, saying we're missing him. Now, if you sell him after you've said that, uh, what does that say really? Are you accepting relegation? Because to me, that's what it would tell me. You, if if you're coming out and and specifically mentioning a certain player as being a huge miss to the team and then you sell them um, you've signed your own death warrant and you, and to be honest I think I think David Moyes as, as much as he's had a, a difficult time uh, since he came here he, he, he does deflect far too much of the blame to other areas which is starting to grate on me a little uh, actually not a little a lot um, he just doesn't want to accept any sort of the blame and as a result it's not rubbing off on the players in the right way he'll come out and tell us that they're trying to put things right in training and he comes out in the press conferences and, and kind of doesn't give too much away but I think I think it's pretty evident isn't it that we aren't in a good place these players aren't enjoying themselves they're not enjoying playing for him 
Um, and and whilst people will, you know, try and stick by him, and and the, the argument really is, well, we've had too many managers, and changing it again is not going to do anything. Well, I think that it quite possibly could, um, because I just don't see Moyes getting this right unless he shifts out all the players he doesn't get along with before the end of January and brings in ones he does get along with. Because otherwise, how how can it work? He, you know, they're not responding to his methods clearly. He, he came here and we were told he was a good defensive coach. Um, we were told that at Everton they were always solid, they were always organised. We haven't seen a solid or organised Sunderland team for some time now. Um, no. So if he is this, this you know, defensive expert, then it's clearly not going through the players' heads because... Papi Gillabodji, for instance, had a good little spell in November, but since then he's just fallen a bit. He looks like Titus Bramble, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. He's he looks so worse. Bad. Oh, he looks just, worse. He looks like he's... Gary Breen or someone. <laughs> well, he's, you know, I, I, I want him to do well, and I think part of us kind of says like, you don't end up at Chelsea if you're not if you're not got something about you. But then at the same time, I think like. There's a reason you didn't play for them either, like because you are so bad. He'll get the ball, he'll carry it five yards under no pressure, and he'll play a long diagonal to the right-hand side of the pitch, regardless of who's there. He does it over and over and over and over, and I'm, I don't even know if he's been told to do it, because if he is, it's the worst tactic going, because there's nobody on the right-hand side of the pitch who can win a header. There's nobody on the right-hand side of the pitch. Who, it's not as though it's not as though West Brom are going to exploit space, like leave your caps in behind. Especially at Brunt, he's a he's a pretty experienced, clever player. You know what I mean? He's he's not gonna he's not gonna let our right midfielder just walk in behind him. So why do we do it over and over again? Well, now, and if we can see it, well, that's it. They can see. Surely, surely they're seeing this. I mean, on on I guess on David Moyes, you, as you all know, I've been willing to give him time. Um, obviously, we've as we've covered so many times, there are many extenuating factors: injuries, African Cup nations, blah 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 blah. But the lack of the lack of desire and and, and the lack of uh, lack of belief, I think, is just unforgivable. I mean, um, before before um, the pod tonight, we put out that uh, poll out on Twitter asking where the where where our followers, where where the Sunderland fans stand at the moment. Um, Almost a thousand people voted on it. Um, the options were sack him immediately, give him more time, or let him build. Now, sack him immediately, we've got 36% of the votes. Give him more time, 16%. Let him build, 48%. So it shows that the majority of Sunderland fans, regardless of how dire this situation is right now, are, the majority is still with him. And, you know, they're willing to give him more time. And, it, and I'm just... I'm almost banging my head against the wall saying that like, why are we why are we why are we still behind him? Why are we giving time? Have things been that bad that we're just thinking that, you know, this is our last hope? Well this is yeah. it. I mean I, I would I would probably interpret those results a little bit differently uh, than you because to me what that indicates is what people are blaming for Sunderland's situation. The constant chopping and changing of managers. And when people argue that it doesn't work, it won't work for us, well, we just have to point at the last six, seven seasons and say, well, actually, yes, because we've been in this situation more than any other club. And every time we change our manager, and regardless of who he is, how bad he is, what he's promised, anything like that, whether or not he's going to take us on to mid-table stability or anything like that, they always manage to keep us up. That obviously coupled with heart-filled performances from Catamol and things like that. 
But uh, so for me, it's the statistics are there in front of you as a Sunderland fan. Well, if we chop and change our manager, give him what have we got left? Nine days? No, we haven't even got nine days left in the transfer window, have we? I'm sorry. Like yeah, but the point is, give, do do what you do best. We've literally become we've become masters at doing this, at scraping. Uh, well, just scraping our way out of the relegation zone, like right at the cusp, right at the end of it, by changing managers, which dramatically affects the fans, it affects the players, and the manager themselves brings in fresh enthusiasm. I mean, Christ, we know that since Moyes came in, none of us have felt enthusiasm from that guy. Do you know what I mean? He's like he's, he's cold as ice, man. It, I, I can't I can't work him out at all. But regardless of that, I, I think the fans need to sit there and really think about that. Think well. It's worked before. It's worked so many times before. Do we really want to go down? Do you know what I mean? Is that is that really what we want? Is that what we want? But 64%. So I was just going to say, 64% of people are saying we should. He should still be here. You know, give him more time or let him build. So 64. The vast majority really are still behind David Moyes, which means, I guess, the blame is is getting put at Ellis Short's door. Um, rightly or wrongly, I think he, I think I think the fans are starting to get a bit a bit sick of him. I mean, Tom, you were at the game on on Saturday where people was yeah. was, was that the consensus from people there? Um, not really. It was more more um, directed at the players and the the manager. Um, what when you say that one of the options was let him build? I was like, build what? He's, he's shown no indication that he's got any idea what he wants here. He's bought the the most bizarre collection of um, signings, uh, players that clearly don't fit. What it, I don't even know what system he's trying. And then he had to press the break the glass for a victory in each of it. He's bought about five right backs and decides they're all crap. So I have no. <laughs> he's saying let him build. Like, I couldn't. I won't trust him. Do you think? Does people generally think that when we go down, that's the guy who's going to drag us out of the championship? Because it's not. He's he's got he doesn't he doesn't want to be here. He if he if he does enjoy this job, Christ, because yeah. he doesn't show it. He he's doesn't show. <laughs> he he just wants to be out of here. But he knows that after this, his career's knacked. He failed at Man United. All right, whatever. Failed at Real Sociedad, and it's he failed at Sociedad because he wouldn't even he hired all the wrong coaches and didn't listen to anyone in Spanish football, and then bought a load of loans from the Premier League. It's just I won't trust him to build anything. He's just garbage. This man's garbage, and he's dragging he's dragging us down. And he just does not care. He he knows he's out of it. He might get sacked. He probably won't walk. He'll probably want to get sacked. But he knows he can't. We can't sack him because we've got no money. Uh, just like if we go down and he's still there, we're not coming back ever. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, when he's when he was kind of sat there or just stood there, he kind of the look on his face, it was it was almost like Poyet was it versus was it versus Palace or QPR at home when he almost he almost looked like he threw the game to get sacked because he just looked, looked like he'd had enough. Villa. Kind of, was it Villa? Got battered. Um, um, yeah, and Moyes he almost cuts that that figure now, doesn't he? Kind of looking out, dead eyes, thinking. Where the bloody hell do we go from here? It's, we're looking at you, Dave. You know, you've got to, you're meant to be leading this team, and uh, I'd say now. With that in mind, I'm going back to the Twitter questions. 
Uh, we've got one from Michael Oates who asks, should Martin Baines speak publicly again to fully clarify our position in the remaining days of this window? Now, my answer to that would be yes, absolutely, because I, I welcome any kind of openness or clarity from the club. I think the question really is whether or not he will, whether that's a, a good idea, I think, at the, at the moment. When you're talking about transfers and things like that, I mean, I know they've done themselves no favours by coming out straight away before the window and saying, we've got no money, we're skint. Um, but I don't think you'd do it now, not in this window. Do you know what I mean? I no. Plus, is, is there any point in him um, just repeating himself? Because that's what he'd see. Yeah, that? exactly, yeah. He'd just say, like, well, we've heard it all before. We're skint. We've got no money. We know that we're shit. Um, and, and David Moyes, I mean, to be honest, I thought his... Um, Callum wrote a fantastic piece on him. Some of his comments in the um, in the week about well, if we do bring anyone in, you know, they're not going to be any good. It's pretty much what he said. It's hardly filling us with optimism, is it? And and also, it's hardly going to fill incoming players with optimism because if, if you're say, for example, Robbie Brady's been linked and apparently turned us down, it's paper talk. You know, we we don't know if that's true or not. But if, if if you're making up your mind thinking, shall I go Burnley, shall I go Sunderland, blah, 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 and Sunderland's manager's coming out and saying, wait, we're bringing some players in, but they're going to be largely rubbish, you can think, wait, do I want to play under him? I mean, it, what, what, make, a, oh, what a statement. I know. What a statement. It's not going to yeah, it's not going to attract anyone to you. It's just not going to fill them with the confidence. It makes them think, oh, that's where I want to go and spend the next year of my career. Or something like that. I can completely understand that. We're talking about that, though. Also, I mean, what about what do we make of this whole Patrick Van Anholt thing? I know we we touched on it briefly, but has his head actually been turned? Because remember, we've seen we we loved Patrick Van Anholt like two months ago. Do you know what I mean? Maybe yeah, yeah. I'd say it was about two months ago actually when we started start the question. And even then, it wasn't necessarily his fault because we always knew he wasn't a particularly defensive-minded defender. But yeah. uh, he started to sort of improve in that role under Allardyce as well. Um, so what, what do we make of that? What would you say about that, Gav? Do you think his head's been turned? Do you think he's gone? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. I mean, and it doesn't help when, when you've got Sam Allardyce coming out saying um, that he's not given up on signing Patrick Van Anhut until his chairman tells him he can't be done. Mm. He, he, so it was words to that effect. He came out and said that, and, and he also said that... Um, as far as we are aware, Sunderland haven't told us that he isn't for sale. So, you know, we're going to keep at it. That doesn't help because another team's manager is then unsettling your player. Um, it just so happens that this particular manager is the man who got the best out of them. You know, I think that's fair to say. He had a bit of a falling out at first with Van Anhalt, but then with Sharp saw a, a big rise in his form and he, and he kicked on under Allardyce and, you know, he was a big part why we stayed up last season, so you can understand why that, combined with um, the fact that Palace are London-based, they have a bit of money, um, they're probably going to improve his contract, uh, he'll get to live in a flashier part of the country, I guess. That's the way they say it anyways. Um, so you can see why he might want to move. On top of that, we are naff, we're going nowhere, and you know... You, you wouldn't blame any player from leaving, but at the same time, he's, he's still under contract with Sunderland. He hasn't gone anywhere yet. That doesn't excuse the half-arse performances that he puts in. And um, the last two games, he's been unforgivable. Really, I think he's he's just got to go now. Um, we have to move on. There's got to be another left back out there who can do that job. Because yeah. I mean, like you said earlier in the podcast, somebody who stands and watch Darren Fletcher um, spin and volley a ball in the back of the net. 
you know, how hard is it to replace someone who does that job, really? Yeah, um, you might, uh, you might uh, lose his attacking intent, like, but... There's that, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you mean, might... I, would, I would argue that. That's what I was going to say. I mean, we, when you consider we've been without Victor and Ichibu for some time now, um, we aren't able to see that that budding relationship on the left wing flourish that we were, we were speaking about before. So... Is this, is this not largely an off-field issue, though? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's playing poorly, and he clearly doesn't care, but at the end of the day, he's not his head's not here he doesn't want to be here mm. um and if he doesn't want to be here then his his performances are going to reflect that obviously um we we now need a team of players from now until the end of the season who are going to going to get us around 20 points and you know um if he doesn't want to be here and he's a bad egg and he's causing issues for the manager then what's the point in him staying we we have to throw everything at staying up now and that means getting rid of players who don't want to be here simple as for me Good thing we got Kone coming back then. He definitely wants to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Gav. Like, I think he's, I think if he can get... How much do you reckon we get for him? What, 12, 13 million quid? Something like that? Well, Not bad money. Seems paltry, that, doesn't it? It seems it, it pretty low. Yeah, I mean, well, I, yeah, we'll, say, we'll say that, but then there's, there, there's been a few players moving about for what you would consider small fees as well. So he, he is a... I think if you can get Patrick Van Aanholt playing in a system which suits him, he's going to be an asset to anybody. You mean? I mean, you look at you look at that that kind of formation Chelsea play where the where the fullbacks are allowed to hug the line and get forward. That that would suit him to a T. You know what I mean? Um, not saying he would walk into Chelsea's team, but if a team can play in a similar fashion, that would really show him. Um, it would show him off as a as a as a top player because he is good. I just think he's quite patently an arsehole, isn't he? He's just a dick. <laughs> he's, he's just a dick. He's, yeah. His Instagram's full of photos of shoes, man. I mean, is his shoes and hats and cars uh, and that? Just a bell end. Like yeah. this issue. This like issue is also stemmed from the. Uh, remember the shisha, uh, shisha incident. I think it's all stemmed yeah. from that. They just like Moyes. I just for, well that incident. I thought it was something out of nothing, but then Moyes should have just said that, but didn't. And then he scored against West Brom, and then did that uh, shisha smoking celebration. And then then he'd make the do- uh, the doctor got binned off. Um, so yeah, yeah, but you're right, he's a dick, but with reason. <laughs> News has just come in, like by the way, uh, Gab on her out. So right. looks like we're getting Diddy Dong back. What do you make of that? Then? See how he cracks on. Well, I mean, as I say, I, I can't see, I can't see how he's going to change things for us. I think he's a, he's a, a complimentary player. I think that's what we've seen of him. Like I think with better players around him, he he, does, he obviously does his job remarkably well. When, as I said, the statistics we were looking at for him, like more successful passes than any any of our other players on the pitch for ninety minutes. Do you know what I mean? So that's there is that, but I don't I don't think that's what we're necessarily missing in midfield. You know, I don't I don't think like, we're missing Didier and Dong. He'd do a better job than Seb Larson, night. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this yeah. is, he's got to be an improvement on that. I, I would agree there. But we're talking about that. What about, like, uh, obviously, we're looking at free agents. There's been rumours about, well, not rumours, supposedly, Julian Lescott's been training with us. Uh, there's rumours about Robbie Keane. Are they are they <laughs> going to make any difference to this? Are they? <laughs> I don't know, like, I mean, Julian Lescott. Robbie Keane. I know, Julian. I mean, <laughs> Robbie first, Keane. Julian Lescott is... I think he was like he was almost um, hounded out of Birmingham. Like I mean, he was hated mm. so much at Aston Villa. But 
I guess, trying to look on the positive side. He's experienced, he's worked under David Moyes before. He can't be any worse than probably Telepodji at the moment. He hopefully can't be, but, um, you know, if you've got Lescott and O'Shea as your two centre-halves, I don't think there's ever been a slower centre-half pairing than them do. We've got Tottenham next. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the thing is with Lescott, mind, I mean, I'm I'm not for this. As a transfer piece of transfer business at all, I think he he proved last season when he was at Villa that he's not got the stomach anymore. But at the same time, he spent a little bit of time out of the game, and this is a chance to, you know, have his final run. You never know; it might it might reinvigorate him playing under his old manager. And, and like I said before, my shifting out players who don't want to be here and bringing in ones that do and maybe want to prove a point might not be the worst idea in the world, but. Let's see how that goes. At the end of the day, like we've we've not got a great amount of options, and if it's just somebody to sit on the bench in case they're needed, that kind of West Brown, where uh, West Brown uh, role in our squad, then you know I'm not. I can think of worse options, like, but I just what? think, you know, I just think that it, it, this is what's come to, and it. Well, he's already pretty, said he won't be good enough. Well, yeah, he did actually. You're right. So, yeah. like, what's what's the point? <laughs> just buying buying another thirty. God knows how old he is. Uh, just 35, to, I 35 all right cra- uh, cracking cracking on a free tra- um free transfer for uh, also well, about Robbie Keane coming, so. well I was I was speaking to some Preston fans uh, yesterday who were going to Villa and they were saying Robbie Keane's going to Preston so we're battling with Preston for a 900 year old striker <laughs> but we're looking at also like I mean, I, I agree with you, to be honest. I'm not saying I'm, I can't see that any of those free agents really making much of a difference. I mean, we say about this uh, this whole experience thing in the back line, we've already caught John O'Shea, who arguably has better experience than Johnny and Lescott because he didn't get relegated yet. Um, I, I, can't, yeah, no, I can't see anything <laughs> yeah. fantastic about it, to be honest. I can't see how they'll... It's just another body, isn't it? It's, it's, it would be great if you could, for every free agent you bought, you could just whack them on the pitch against 11 players, regardless of how many you had. Yeah, I'd buy everyone and stick them on the line, but I can't see what he's going to bring at all. Oh, God, it's all so depressing, isn't it, guys? Well, we'll try and get I, through I, this then. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think we'd ever miss like Duncan Watmore so much. Like, I think we we miss his like legs and energy and his ability to get us up the pitch mm. so much. Absolutely. Um, I was actually at the start of the season. I always, I was probably a bit harsh on him because um, I always said he should get his head up, and you know he didn't use the ball well enough. But we just we really miss someone like what more? I mean, Lyndon Gooch is, is due back mid Feb. He probably comes straight back into the team, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think I think the the, the fact that um, what more's injury coincided with Barini's return kind of filled us with a little bit of relief because we thought, well, you know, you're losing him, but you're gaining another player, brings similar attributes. But what Barini doesn't bring is um, the will to want to be here. I mean, we've went over a million times already today, but what more looks like a player who genuinely enjoys being here and wants to succeed and wants to wants to make the most of being a Sunderland player. Fabio Barini looks like we're doing him a favour, you know. We're doing him a favour by, by, by putting him on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And he just he's just there, and he sulks, and he moans, and he he runs into dark alleys and does nothing with the ball, and he, he just he's yet another body there who's playing because we have to play him. I mean, he finally got dropped at the weekend, 
against West Brom and I was over the moon because having paid my ticket money and and, and went down to the game um, on Tuesday to then see a player turn in a performance like that, which, by the way, he played up front. He played centre-forward, a position that he... He long lusted after, didn't he? He was, he was, he was really pissed off when he first came here that he wasn't playing up front. Uh-huh. Um, and he, he gets a chance to show what he can do up front, and he just didn't. He looked like he, he didn't want to be there, and that's what we're missing more than anything. We're missing what most hunger. Some he's he's one of those. That's the that's the worst part of all these injuries for me. We've lost players who genuinely enjoy being here. We've lost Catamol. We've lost Watmore. We've lost Pickford. Um, three lads who who I think would do anything for this club at the minute. And yeah. uh, that's what we are lacking for me. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. I mean, I've said when uh, just before Gutes' injury that he had something that that we needed. I mean, it didn't see nothing seemed anywhere near as bleak then. And I remember things were particularly bleak also at the time. So it it, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, I'd love to see something like that. I mean, can you imagine instead of what we've currently got, instead of like Larson, uh, who'd we have Larson Love? And Yanazai in midfield, you know, looking at something like Gooch, Catamol, and uh, Honeyman. Would anyone take that? Because I would love to have that. That would crack me uh, up. That'd be brilliant. I, I think we've almost got to stop listening after Cats to come back because if I don't know if I'm if I'm on my own here, but I, I love Lee Catamol. I'll set that stall out, but. He take, takes a few games to get going, doesn't he? He's not someone usually you can drop straight into into the into the mixer, and he'll he'll run about and he'll give his all. But he traditionally does take uh, a bit longer to get to get back into full fitness. Um, so we, must, I think, we've almost got to must be pissing him off watching this though. Like, oh, know, will. yeah, I'd agree. Uh, and you you just kind of wish. I mean, even when we're I'm 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 looking at what some of the ex players have said over the last few days. People like Arca. Um, putting on his Twitter page that he would love to just be able to play for Sunderland one more time, and you just think like we really miss players like that. That's what this club, that's what this club has thrived on for years and years and years. And we're down to the last one now. We've got Lee Catamore, we've got Pickford, we've got a couple of lads there who who genuinely love the place. But I mean, you, you, where do you find players like that anymore? Unless they come through the academy and they're genuinely good enough to play in the Premier League, where do you where do you find those type of players? I thought Defoe was one, though. If I'm honest, it's only been, I reckon, the last two weeks, where two three weeks, where I've, I think it was the it was a goal against um, was it Burnley or uh, no, sorry Stoke. I don't think I've ever seen him so pissed off after scoring a goal. You know, he just looked like, you know, what's the point? You know, I've I've got myself on the score sheet again, but you know, those lot aren't going to keep anything out at the other end. So what's the bloody point? Yeah, I saw that as well. I mean, I'm. I agree with Gav there. He raised a very valid point. Where do you find those players anymore if they don't come through the academy? Because, it, I mean, what you're saying about Defoe, I, it's six and two threes. I'm, I, I don't know how to think about that, really, because I think he loves himself. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what Defoe really loves. Defoe loves being successful. I don't think he really minds where he's successful. I think that sort of... Obviously, he's a consummate professional on the pitch. Uh, and in the dressing room, from all accounts, does a lot for the club, and yeah, he, he's good. He's like a he's a talisman, I suppose, in that regard. But I think he yeah. does that because he's one of that breed that, that Gav's talking about. He's, he's one of those. The, they seem to be dying out now. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, maybe there's an argument that you could pluck someone out of the lower leagues, like find a gem, 
and they'd be like really really happy and loyal to you because you found them you gave them their opportunity but I think that's probably the way football's going to be honest I yeah. mean, it's, a, it's a sad indictment that uh, when you consider how few academy products actually go on to play for their first team and then you you couple that with the, what we're saying now do you know what I mean how, what does the future hold for football in that regard well, I guess it just holds just mercenaries and journeymen travelling between club to club to club and Gav's probably right I mean where do you find them I mean Blake Catamore's probably a dying breed um which is just like it makes it even more depressing than it. Like we've got, we've got even less to look forward to. Uh, I sound like Chris Sutton. If you want a quick Chris yeah. Sutton update, he said at the weekend um, they're down, they're pointless. Moyes said he didn't know what his best team is. They don't have a best team. They're hopeless every week. So, you know, <laughs> where do you go from that? Down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this. I mean, who who we got coming up? We've got. Spurs at home, Palace away, Saints at home, Everton away, City at home. So, I mean, Spurs at home, you, you almost have to write that off, don't you, the way they're playing. Hopefully you can nick a point and then we go and play Big Sam. Um, obviously, they've not been playing very well at all, have they? So, um, who knows? Bit of hope, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> anyway, this is this has been thoroughly depressing. Uh, but to cheer you all up, although it might depress you a bit more, uh, this it was on this day. We might, uh, no, not around this time. Uh, but it was on this day three years ago that we uh, we went to Wembley. Well, we beat Man United and went to Wembley. And so, I wept like a child. Uh, yeah, that that was fantastic that evening. <laughs> that was absolutely was, fantastic. Was that probably the best. Oh, that's got to be the best night of my life. Like I'm yeah. not even. I, I don't think anything else has come close, especially supporting Sunderland. I just don't think. It can never be eclipsed again. It was just a roller coaster, wasn't it? Um, it was sensational. And then, but it's, it's, it. I'm just looking, looking back at that. Like it was, it was kind of. We were, we were filled with a similar sense of dread about our league position, weren't we, at the time? Um, mm-hmm. But we had something else to cling on to. I guess, I guess, in a way, it, it, it's kind of a reminder that it's not over till it's over. Um, that game, particularly, is, you know. Uh, indicative of that, it was just such a, a mental time. Mental time that meant it was a mental 120 plus minutes, whatever it was. It was just the most amazing, brilliant Sunderland moment ever. It, it's what you live for. Well, it's what you what you're a fan for, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's why it's why you follow this club really because all the crap that it put you through. Mm. Um, you get the odd little glimmer like that, and it makes it all worth it in the end. And you get that with that night at um, Covent Garden before on the Saturday before the, the final on the Sunday, which was just remarkable. I've never seen yeah. you know what fifteen thousand Macams in Covent Garden drunk every single off license dry, um, just probably the worst hangover I've ever had the next day. But it was just <laughs> unbelievable. And then it's let's just hope we get a get another one of them. Can't be as bad as my experience that night. Really coming back going through the tube station, I thought. Uh, and me drunk and stupid, I would slide down the middle of the uh, <laughs> the, 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 the escalators from top to bottom oh, as no. well. And I must have been doing 40 miles an hour before I stuck my foot out and stopped myself. Uh, completely shattered me ankle into pieces, done a front flip. Oh, um, no. Everyone pissing themselves, laughing at me, lying on the floor. And then I limped all the way around <laughs> Wembley the next day. So, and we got beat. 
So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and with that, <laughs> and it's all gone, lads. It's all gone. <laughs> now we just have this to look forward to forever. Well, thanks for joining me again, lads. Um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this has been the Roker Report. We're sorry we couldn't bring you any fantastic news and everything was so dour, but we're taking a leaf out of our manager's book, I think, for the podcast for now. And we're just gonna, we're not going to say anything positive for for the duration. So, yeah, uh, don't forget you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can listen to us on the Acast app. Uh, this is the Roker Report signing off. Singing in our things Can only get better Can only get better Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.